0: Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com, On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, com. The show that we're going to be doing uh, today is one that is going to shock a lot of listeners. This is proof that fact is stranger than fiction. We're going to be talking about the Shocking Shriners Human Trafficking Connection. Now, as uh, uh, stories, uh, stories and mysteri- mysterious fraternal organizations known for its fundraising efforts on behalf of burned children and crippled children, the Shriners boast an international membership in the hundreds of thousands including luminaries uh, Gerald R. Ford, astronaut Buzz Aldrin, and superstar John Wayne. However, recent changes have already landed several of their esteemed members in prison. With the help of our very special guest this hour, who has researched and helped piece together the elements of the affidavit that identified and accused several key members of human trafficking and linked those members to a nationwide ring of corruption, Our exposing, our exposing, I should say, of human trafficking and slavery here in the Exxon continues. This sensational case, though years in process, is poised to make national headlines as the Supreme Court considers it for its dockets. In this very special human trafficking and slavery special, the lurid details of the case including threats, retaliation, judicial corruption, tax evasion, and human trafficking will be revealed. My guest this hour is author Mike Blodgett, and uh, Mike is coming to us from Minnesota, and Mike, welcome to the X-Zone. Well, thank you, Rob. Mike, I got the information on our topic today, and it floored me. It truly floored me. You sent us uh, information pertaining to... Finding an affidavit online, which we did in the Superior Court of the United States, Andrew Ellis and Harriet Ellis are the petitioners. Uh, John Hansen, individually, and as a lawyer, et al., are the respondents. The FBI are involved in this investigation. And with all the other information on the line on the internet, how can human slavery and trafficking still continue in today's society?
2: Yeah, that's, I think, at the heart of this whole thing, Rob, which you're you're so correct with your concern about this stuff. I myself had no idea that there was was a subgroup Mm -hmm. of Shriners called the Royal Order of Jesters. I knew nothing about the human trafficking prosecutions that had started back in Buffalo, New York. I was ignorant of all this, and so was the little, nice little couple called Mr. and Mrs. Ellis, and he had been a Shriner for 44 years and was in charge of helping raise funds through the big shrine prades of motorcycles that they conduct in various mm-hmm. parts of the country. And he knew nothing about the Jesters, other than that there was a name called the Jesters, and that two of his motorcycle traders wanted their custom-ordered motorcycles to be colored purple. But he knew nothing about any of this stuff, and he was in the shrine for 44 years.
0: Mike, stand by. You so, and I have to take our first. You and I have to take a two minute commercial break, Mike. Please stand by. Explanation. Nation, Mike Blodgett is our special guest. He's the author of three other books. Visit www.trottentrilogy.com. I'm sorry, that's tr- Totten. How do you say that, Mike? Uh, Totten Trilogy. TottenTrilogy.com. Yeah, Totten. T-O-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-L-O-G-I-O-G-Y dot com. It's a Monday, what can I say, Exo Nation? I'll be back on the other side with Mike Blodgett as we continue here in the Exxon discussing a very serious problem that society wants to sweep under the carpet. We're talking about human trafficking. We'll be back. Don't go away.
1: People, people, who need people, are the luckiest in
0: the world. XO my guest to this hour is Mike Blodgett. We're talking about a shocking revelation in the human trafficking slavery business, and that's when uh, Mike came across some very interesting information that made a connection between the Shriners and Human Trafficking Connection. Mike's website is com. That's T-O-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-L-O-G-Y dot com. Alright, Mike, uh, how did you meet uh, the Ellis's?
2: Uh, they uh, belong to a small group of landlords in Minnesota who work together to try to figure out how to comply with the local code enforcements and so on. Mm -hmm. So I was introduced to them as a person who is uh, pretty knowledgeable in what's called federal fair housing. And then they had been, Mr. Ellis had been falsely expelled from the shrine in 2004, the local uh, Minneapolis shrine Mm -hmm. in 2004. And the reason was I found out after they had lost in the state courts for a few years. The reason was that he and Harriet Ellis had been asking questions of the Shrine, what's going wrong with our ethics and family values? So it turns out that the three men who were behind falsely expelling Mr. Ellis and really damaging Mrs. Ellis' reputation, it turns out had a real reason to be afraid of those questions about what was happening with the ethics and family values. But despite losing for three years in the state courts, no one could figure out that reason. So they kind of hired me as a paralegal and investigator and researcher to see if I could help them figure out what was really going on in the state courts. Well, it was like God led me to figure out the real motive of the three or four men who falsely expelled Mr. Ellis, Rob, was that they were all jesters and secretly had been jesters for years. And then that led me into the human trafficking investigation in Buffalo, New York.
0: You know, for years, Mike, we've had members of the Masonic Order and Freemasons on members of the Scottish Rite, and and they have said in no uncertain terms that there are no secret societies within a secret society. And yet, bang, here we find a secret.
2: Well, and I think... uh, When Mr. Ellis and Mrs. Ellis, who was a she was a hundred percent, hundred ten percent supporter of Mr. Ellis Mm -hmm. and the Shrine efforts to raise money for the kids' hospitals, if they didn't know anything about the jesters, it must have been something that was really concealed real deeply inside the Shrine, and lo and behold, that's what the FBI found out: that the jesters is an invitation only; it's not something a Shriner can apply for, and apparently the jester. The officers watch the conduct and behaviors of thousands of, of Masons, and then they become Shriners. So these these few men, which nationwide is about 24,000 out of a United States Shrine membership of about 324,000. Mm-hmm. So it's, probably, it's just a minority of a minority. And they apparently observe these other men in their daily affairs, and they only invite people to join the Jesters who they think have the same proclivities? All right, they no, don't have established himself as being interested in human trafficking or cheating on their spouses. They don't get invited to join.
0: Okay, so let let me see. You were introduced to somebody through basically a landlord-tenant act uh, scenario. Sure. Uh, then you got to talking, and he told you that he, he, Mr. Ellis, had been kicked out of the Shriners. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there seems to be some question as to why. You find yourself now uncovering a secret society within a secret society. How did this information bring you to the point of human trafficking?
2: Sure. Well, what, what actually happened was I traced the appeals process and the complaint process that the Ellis's had used up inside the shrine itself. Mm-hmm. And I would say this, God led me to a, a, some very honest Shriners. And they let me, I'm going to say, roll around among their circle of friends. And those circle of friends led me to media reports by some very courageous reporters to whom I owe virtually everything that I've learned. One is named Sandy Frost, and she writes online for NBC Newsbind. Another is a gentleman named Dan Herbeck, who was the only reporter ever to be allowed to interview Timothy mcveigh Rob. Mm. So he writes for the Buffalo News, and he, he is loved dearly by federal law enforcement, okay? So when the Buffalo stuff was starting to come out, he was the first big-time reporter uh, to be able to write about it, which was distributed on the Associated Press newsletters. So the long story short, I got linked through Sandy Frost's efforts and Dan Herbrett's reporting directly into the, the prosecutions, the guilty pleas of these growing number of jesters out in Buffalo, New York. And during one of the guilty pleas, which I obtained a copy of, Mm -hmm. one of the main jesters out there was a New York State Supreme Court judge named Judge Till's. So lo and behold, Rob, he was in charge of procuring the victims for the human trafficking for these jester things they called books of the play which is held every month somewhere locally, regionally, statewide, nationally, or internationally, like a clock. And the only purpose of those books of the play is human trafficking. So when Judge Chills pled guilty, he and the other two jesters that pled very quickly out there in Buffalo, they all ratted out each other, and they ratted out jesters apparently from around the country to the FBI rep. So that, that led me into how was the FBI getting these guilty pleas, mm-hmm. and what were the guilty pleas for, and who the heck was, was making them. And they were all jesters.
0: Okay, now when it comes to the, the actual human trafficking, were they just finding the victims that were involved in the, uh, the human trafficking, or were the jesters themselves running the human trafficking ring?
2: Well, it's a little tricky to answer that question, but I'll do my best. Okay. What I learned is that every jester, they call them a court, Rob. So let's say there's 193 shrines, they call them temples in the mm-hmm. United States of various sizes. There's a, the FBI found out there's 191 jester courts where the jester court, the jester officials actually secretly run the shrines. Okay? okay. They secretly run the children's hospitals. They secretly control the national shrine headquarters. Uh, okay, so it turns out that these local jesters were, had developed a boom. I would call it a modus operandi, and the FBI doesn't talk about it using those terms. But in Buffalo, it turns out that there was one head jester official, which was Judge Tills out there, who was a New York State Supreme Court judge, and he had kept records of every woman that he had ever prosecuted in his prior judicial assignments for prostitution. Oh, my gosh and he kept those files in his courtroom, and he had his confidential law clerk named Michael Stebick keep those files and records, and when they had the monthly book of the play coming up, Tills would tell Stebick how many victims he needed for that month's event. And Stebick and two other sheriff's deputies who worked directly for Judge Tills in the courthouse would be sent out to round up these women and force them to come to the next book of the play. So it turns out, in 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 getting together all this stuff, the guilty pleas, the media reports, uh, the courageous work of the Buffalo FBI, the Buffalo Human Trafficking Task Force, uh, some leakers inside the shrine and jester organizations, you put together all the stuff and you come up with a modus operandi where some high-ranking jester local official or business person is in charge of forcing women to come to the human trafficking mm-hmm. events. So. They don't necessarily recruit them like overseas, as far as I can tell. Right. But they utilize mostly illegal immigrants, Rob, oh. who have no hope of ever getting out of these networks. That's how they do it. So I think, I think it'd be fair to say that, that from my point of view, these gestures have a modus operandi that I believe is like a cookie cutter. I believe it's replicated in every of the 191 jester courts, but not always with a judge or somebody at the top, say so, There's some big, powerful business official who can make things happen is what's really going on there.
0: Due to the fact that the the um, the um, the Shriners are a worldwide organization, they're part of the Freemasons, they're part of the uh, Scottish Rite, and so on. Mm-hmm. This this puts a whole new light on to the to the Shriners. Number one and number two certainly puts in doubt their real. Motives. Is it possible that they're using the, the goody goody two shoes as a cover for their sinister work?
2: I think I don't think that would be fair to say about all the shriners mm-hmm. who
0: are
1: the
2: vast majority. Right. But I think what you're what you're exposing, Rob, is that given the gesture control which the FBI has documented and and these leaks and the media reports have documented occurs where the gestures really control most everything else that's quote unquote shriner. It's impossible for the shriners to get rid of the jesters. Yeah. It's just not possible. And that, that so all these years of masons or shriners saying, Give us a chance to clean our own mm-hmm. nest, it cannot it's impossible for that to happen. So it takes people such as yourself or you know, I, I'm signed up to try to expose this. Uh, and I was never a shriner or anything like this, you know. So but, but it offended me so badly that here in Minnesota two state courts covered up the human trafficking by lawyers appearing before those courts and issued rulings that never addressed the federal evidence nor the local evidence where these men had voluntarily listed themselves as jesters and so now minnesota is the only state in the united states where two courts have said if you want to human traffic and you're a lawyer or a jester come on come to minnesota and do it that's the backwards message that I, I don't think people in Minnesota are going to put up with this. But the shrine is not powerful enough to get rid of this, I would call it, a cancer inside the shrine.
0: Do we have any idea, or is there... there Nobody does Yeah, pardon me. Is there any estimate on the number of people that are actually involved in this human trafficking side of the uh, shrine?
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, what the FBI affidavit, if, I mean, reading FBI written statements mm-hmm. is a little bit tricky because... They understate most things in my experience. And Special Agent Amo, who authored the FBI affidavit in June 2010 for Buffalo, said clearly in there that she's aware of more facts than she's put into this affidavit. And between the affidavit and her recitation of the guilty pleas, and then the actual guilty pleas out there, all four gestures ratted out not only each other, they ratted out jesters in other parts of the country that the FBI has not gotten to yet. So I can't say there's FBI investigations that are ongoing. If I even knew about them, I couldn't talk about them. And and I hope there are. Sure. You know, but to, 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 to answer your question directly, Sandy Frost on NBC Newsline site was leaked mm-hmm. two years' worth of the national jester membership list. Now, who she got them from, I don't know, but they had an approximate total, Rob, of 24.
0: dot exxon radio tv dot com
1: I believe it's meant to be done. I want you being beat up and fighting around being sane up and I've been shut down you're the best thing that I've ever found and only with care, reputations change.
0: One eight hundred six ten seven zero three five worldwide toll free. Email exone exoneraterradio.tv dot com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail dot com, and our website www dot dot com. Exon Nation, if you haven't already done so, please go to www.mdsrc.org dot dot org and sign the online petition. That's the website for the Modern Day Slavery Reporting Center. That's www.mdsrc.org and sign the online petition. Later on today, we're going to be posting at that site uh, the affidavit that we found online. Thanks to our guest this hour, Mike Blodgett. We're also going to be posting the RCMP report from 2010 on human trafficking in Canada. And we're also going to be posting another uh, another report that came to our attention by Dr. William Schneider, our in-house criminologist, challenges to improve identifying the investigation and prosecution of state and local human trafficking cases. All of those three uh, two reports and the FBI affidavit in this matter is going to be posted at www.mdsrc.org. And please. Sign the petition, get your friends to sign, get your relatives to sign, get your employees to sign, your fellow workers. Heck, even get your politicians to sign. That'll be like pulling teeth, but what the heck, we can try. Once again, www.mdsrc.org. Mike Blodgett is my guest, and we're doing a shocking expose this hour on Shriners and their connection to human trafficking. Mike's website is www.totentrilogy.com. First of all, Mike, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, what does it feel like to be a whistleblower? And have you at any time received any threats or retaliation because of your involvement in this case?
2: Well, it, it's, it's no fun to be a whistleblower. I was um, convicted in 1993 of some federal crimes, Rob, okay. where I was absolutely innocent of that stuff. And I've been working since then to try to not only clear my name, but explain to people why that happened to me. And I'm not bitter about it. I've forgiven the people who did this to me and my family. But all I can share is things are starting to turn around. I'm starting to get my credibility back. And when the time is right, Mm -hmm. hopefully I'll be able to accomplish uh, true whistleblowing in those matters, (laughs) and I'm getting signs that that may be getting close to being the right time. But the point is is that I learned during those experiences uh, to, I became like a, a, a trained bloodhound to find fraud by government or private attorneys, Rob. I became deeply sensitized to those kinds of factual situations, and so when I started to help the Ellis's, the little old couple here in Minnesota, pardon me for calling you old, but you're, you're about to as I am or more, um, I flat out was in their living room one day, and I said to both of them, you know, I think this John Hansen guy uses prostitutes. And pardon me for saying mm-hmm. that on the radio, because Patty Weatherling and Linda Miller and the Polaris Project in Washington, D.C. have educated me that these people are victims. They're, it's not some kind of contractual deal and so on, but I looked looked the Ellison's in the eye and I said, I think John Hanson uses this. And also, I told them, I think there's some much bigger reason why they falsely expelled you and have tried to destroy you. And my goal would be to find that out. Well, lo and behold, God led me through these various uh, sources, Sandy Frost, Dan Herbeck, and so on, uh, into making the links between the Buffalo prosecutions, Mm -hmm. the FBI affidavit, and then the leaked list that Sandy Frost had up on the World Wide Web for a while, which showed that there was about 24,000 active jesters. Wow. Gave all their names, gave their cities they were in, and in 2008, it listed their email addresses. Rob, the main guy in Minnesota's email address, the local gesture group is called Cork 53. They, they all have little numbers for their, their entities. Mm-hmm. This guy, John Hansen, email address said ROJ 53. Holy cow. And I've since uncovered several Shriners who were recruited to join the Jesters by John Hansen, some of whom accepted and some of whom declined. But the point is, is when you get recruited to join the Jesters, the Jester per- the recruiting you has to tell you every bad thing the Jesters do. Otherwise, you don't have to join, see? And also, when you do join... You get, according to reports on the internet, from some few jesters who have escaped the jesters, which is not very many, Mm -hmm. you are forced to commit a sex act in front of all the other jesters at your initiation meeting, and you're forced to confess all the crimes you ever committed, which the jesters write down. So no wonder very few jesters ever get out.
0: Uh, Isn't that called blackmail?
2: Well, sure, but the people going in, Rob, know what they're getting into, see, because I found out when the jesters recruit you, they mm-hmm. tell you virtually everything. You're expected to cheat on your spouse. You have to have enough money every month. You can abandon your business for three and a half or four days for these things they call books of the play, and 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 uh, you you pledge never to, to expose this. And there's a group in Washington, D.C. called the Polaris Project, and they, they have, I've talked to them extensively, mm-hmm. and forever, however long they've been going, they're kind of like the National Clearinghouse, and they can actually refer people. They could refer a victim who calls up to a local city or state resource to help anti- tra- oppose trafficking and get these victims help. In their history, they have never had a single gesture victim who's contacted them for help. That's how that's how powerful these gestures are. So when I tried to report my concerns to the shrine headquarters and the jester headquarters yeah. they actually destroyed my sources of income for almost a whole year now what that was they thought good for them, but it actually may turn out to be bad because rob it gave me what's called standing legal standing to sue in a federal court as a reco victim
1: it so it I also- filed a
2: pro se yeah so I filed a pro se Lawsuit we'll here on February sixth of this year in the Minnesota federal courts. Right. Uh, yeah.
0: It, it sounds as if the the jesters the 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 shriners are more powerful than a lot of the organized crime families that are presently under investigation by federal law enforcement officers.
2: It it sure does. I as using the jesters own membership list of tw- about twenty four thousand active jesters. Now the uh-huh. lists are a couple years old because the Gestures have pulled, you can't find these lists anymore. They don't let you get them anymore. And they were supposed to be confidential, but whoever, you know, how Sandy Frost got them, I don't know, but they're, they're the real list, And the 24,000 Gestures, I think that's probably bigger, Rob, than any mafia organization anyone knows about. Mm. I, I believe you're right on the money here. So so in the intros, you mentioned some of the more famous Gestures who are yeah. listed by the Gestures as their famous alumni? Right. Well, apparently, here's what I think is really going on. Okay. When the jesters were founded, which was sometime between 1911 and then a little more formally organized in 1917, if you think back to that time, women and children were not legally persons. Yeah. So trafficking in somebody who was not legally a person, how could it be illegal?
0: So it's they were basically trafficking in commodities.
2: They, I think they really were, which is so offensive because what you're aware of is human trafficking is modern day slavery.
1: That's
0: right.
2: But I think that the big mistake the gestures have made is besides thinking they're above the law because of whoever they've got placed in these high, high positions of power or something like that. Mm -hmm. Number one, it didn't stop the criminal prosecutions in Buffalo, which were federal, didn't stop them. So all their influences couldn't save those gestures. Number two, all the guys who took guilty pleas, I believe, ratted out everybody they possibly could. So there's no loyalty among the jesters. And number three, hopefully, and I'm absolutely convinced of this, American society and other countries, we've caught up with the rights of women and children. All These, these are persons. Mm-hmm. And this is the big mistake the jesters made. They never kept up with the changes in the world, Rob.
0: So you know, how has
2: so this affected... That's, that's the Achilles heels. Those are the Achilles heels of the Jesters now.
0: All right, so how has this actually affected the organization? Have they tightened up their belt, or is it business as usual? The Jesters are still involved with human trafficking?
2: It's, I, I, can't, I can't speak from actual... Like, I, I've never been to a Jester, Books of the Play convention, mm-hmm. and so on and so on, and I can't comment if there's any law enforcement activities But I can say that there were leaks, again, through Sandy Frost and some other reporters that these gesture books of the play were ongoing as of a year and a half ago still.
0: You know, I used to be in law enforcement, and a (laughs) a number of my my fellow officers were members of the Lodge and members of the Shrine. And, and it never appealed to me. You know, I, I did my eight hours on or my 12 hours on, my 16 hours off, and, and I worked with other organizations that, that I personally felt more attuned to. Um, there's a lot of law enforcement involved in the Shriners. In fact, I, I know a number of former police officers that are, that are now members of the Scottish Rite, and this kind of puts a question in my mind.
2: Yeah, well, actually, part of the modus operandi where these books of the play are held, like, locally, statewide, regionally, and internationally,
1: mm-hmm.
2: all the information I have is that to provide security at these books of the play, off-duty officers are hired to restrict attendance so that nobody who isn't a jester or the victim can even enter the premises. You know, so we- to protect these proceedings, they, they hire police people you know and so somebody's in on this but but once again it didn't stop the federal prosecutions in buffalo and i think that's where i think the the pressures on the jesters well first of all the shrine memberships have been declining mm-hmm. a lot of the younger people that i've been talking to either locally or nationally never heard of the shriners they didn't, they never went to a shrine circus they never did anything so I'm going to say maybe a third of the population in the U.S. has no idea what the Shriners really are. But you know what? And I think this is where you're on to the right thing here. Virtually everyone is anti-human trafficking as you can get.
0: Yeah, makes except, you know, so, we don't, we don't know. want to admit it's there because if once people admit there's a problem such as human trafficking, that is mm-hmm. 400 times more prevalent now than in the beginning of human trafficking going back hundreds of years it's the third largest crime that is going on in today's society, and yet we just kind of—well, we don't. You and I certainly don't. I know that for a fact. But well, and many... I don't
2: think most people will, Rob. In other words, I think this—the the, the comments I'm getting from people such mm-hmm. as yourself who are booking me onto these radio shows, the comments are, this is a story that is going to become a national scandal. It hasn't yet. But but it is and I'm not taking the yeah. credit for this. I, I was I was pushed into a corner by these jesters, and I'm not going to let them push me over again. And the reason is not just what they did to me, which is peanuts in mm-hmm. terms of money damages. It's that here in Minnesota, despite actual notice to the to the state courts, Rob, it's been two years, and we knew who the traffickers are, but we don't know who
0: the victims are. Well, that's just that, it. That's... That itself it's that's wrong. It, it is. And the, the bigger part of the question is, why has justice la- dragged their heels having all this information supplied by an FBI agent, I believe, in in order not to proceed with this case? Why hasn't it hit the court dockets yet?
2: Well, well I, I, I don't want to attack or defend the FBI or whatever, but basically what you're talking about is a major national human trafficking ring of at least 24,000 men. And Buffalo, to pull off the Buffalo thing, they, the FBI stumbled on that, Rob, from wiretapping a massage piler. Huh. They weren't investigating any gestures. As far as I can tell, no one knew about them. So what you've got now is a situation where the table is set. So it may not be a nationwide 24,000 prosecution thing. Right. But my instincts tell me it's going to spread into other U.S. attorneys' districts And one of the reasons is, when you look at the FBI website, the top four priorities for the FBI all involve anti-terrorism. Priority number five is public corruption. Mm -hmm. Priority number six is human trafficking, Rob. So human trafficking and public corruption are just below anti-terrorism now. And so if if the Buffalo modus operandi evidence can be brought into other areas, other geographic areas... I think the gestures are doomed.
0: They should be and doomed. And
2: the question will be: Will the Shrine survive? How is the Shrine going to survive here? Well,
0: you know, if this was any I other if this was any other other organization, law enforcement would be over it like a uh, kid hungry over M and M's. But it seems that because it's the Shriners, they're just dragging on this, hoping it'll go well, away. It, it may,
2: yeah, it may appear that way, Rob, and I don't want to to say, but, and even if I knew there was an investigation, mm-hmm. I couldn't speak to it, because sure. I can't say that the FBI is helping mm-hmm. the Elliss in any way, shape, or form. We're building upon what the FBI already did out in Buffalo. That's our, what, why you, we tried to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court, as you know, takes very few petitions.
0: Sure. All right, stand by, Mike. You and I have to take our final break. Exxon Nation, Mike Blodgett's my guest. We're talking about the shocking connection between the Shriners and human trafficking. My name is Rob McConnell. Visit www.mdsrc.org and please sign the online petition. I'll be back on the other side of this break. As we here at the Exxon try our very best to do whatever we can to stop human trafficking and slavery. We'll be back. Don't go away. You know, the song is called Sideshow by the Stylistics, and I think that this is an appropriate song to uh, finish this segment with our very special guest, Mike Blodgett. And, and Mike, I just want to thank you so much for joining us. You're going to be with us next Monday as we continue part two of this very important um, topic, you know, the shocking Shriners-Human con- uh, Trafficking Connection. Since your involvement in the investigation with the Ellis's... Have there been times when you've felt as if you're being followed or if the, if certain things are working against you because of your involvement in this type of investigation?
2: Not only felt I was being followed, I filed a police report with the St. Paul police, which documented a number of instances where I was surveilled at meetings with lawyers. Uh, the, The meetings were scheduled sometimes no more than 10 minutes ahead of time, Rob. And during the meeting, Up would come and sit as close to us, and we were meeting in Starbucks or caribou's, public places, Mm -hmm. which is all fine. Uh, But these people would appear with little cell phones and computer equipment. And one time I went out, and when the gentleman opened his trunk, it was a massive electronic thing beeping and blinking and stuff like this. And the only way they could have known about these meetings was by tapping our phones. And the meetings were attorney-client privileged, and we were discussing how to expose human trafficking. How are they? so, the... so mm-hmm. sure? So this is a pretty sophisticated group group of people. They have access to all the uh, investigative teams, um, uh, wiretapping things, uh, electronic cell phone stuff, everything. So yes, I felt threatened. I was. They did intimidate, try to intimidate me off of this stuff, very hard. Uh, I have had problems with my cars. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of things that go on. I can't pin it all on the the gestures, but the, the intimidations in these public places during meetings with attorneys, absolutely. as part of my recall lawsuit against them that this happened. And I've got photos, which I'm going to put on the internet and introduce in court, asking people to identify who this, who this person works for.
1: Wow.
2: (laughs) See, so, so I've got license plates, photos that were taken of some of these people doing this intimidation. And I'm going to publicly ask, well, are you going to deny you hired
0: this yeah. Well, if there's I don't any
2: way to defend it.
0: if there's any way we can help, you just let me know. We'll, well be done, well, my friend.
2: Sure. And, well, and it was one last follow up on that. As I've learned in American law the hard way, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be an adversarial process. You know, you've, you the one side says the one thing, the other yeah. side contests it or whatever. All I can tell you is in Buffalo with four federal guilty pleas, no one contested the FBI what's called primary fact evidence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Out here in Minnesota, we filed the primary fact evidence all gestures in effect are human traffickers right. with the list of who had listed themselves as gestures, including on the tax returns, where they're taking deductions for their human trafficking expenses. Unreal. No one contested that evidence, Rob. Now, in my federal little legal lawsuit, I've refiled some of the same evidence, and I'm giving the gestures a third chance to rebut it. Go ahead and rebut it. Then we'll have a jury
0: trial. All right, listen, Mike. If you can't rebut that, you're going to lose. All right, Mike, you and I have to say so long for tonight. You're going to be back with me one week from tonight, the very same time. I want to thank you, Mike, so much for joining us. Thanks for bringing this out into the public. And please give my very best to the Mr. and Mrs. Ellis. I
2: will do that, and thanks for your concerns.
0: It's my great pleasure. Once again, Exxon Nation, my guest this hour, has been Mike Blodgett. His website is Trilogy. Dot com And don't forget, go to www.mdsrc.org and sign that petition. Help us to stop human trafficking and slavery. My name is Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of this news break at six and a half minutes past the hour. Don't go away.